0: Hello everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Happy and blessed Tuesday. Welcome to a very, very special night. As you all know, this is going to be the kickoff for the 6th annual Raven Awards, that is right, it is the awards show that we do here on OMB Reviews as a way of pushing back, of resisting, of boycotting the nonsense that is the Oscars and everyone has been talking about it on social media, the various snubs, the, the various surprises, can't say I'm really all that surprised by the fact that apparently Barbie is nominated for Best Picture, that was something I was calling back quite a while ago, And I'm still of the mindset that I don't think it's going to, you know, be a surprise if it ends up actually winning the whole thing. But that doesn't really matter because the Oscars have proven once again, proven time and time again, that they just do not matter. And so on a very special episode tonight... Of our podcast, the four, episode 480 of the Well the Asgard podcast, we are going to be officially announcing this year's 2023 Raven Award nominations. This was a pretty awesome process, as it always is. We started off. Is a bit of a recap with the vote on the categories, whether we should keep the categories or change them, right? We let the people decide whether the people have input. And sure enough, overwhelmingly, those that had partake, you know, had partaked in that um in that poll, in that uh in that ballot overwhelmingly just said that nope, they should stay the exact same. They should not be any changes. And we, of course, only had one minor change, which is that our former Worst film of the year category, which has always been known as the Kathleen Kennedy Ryan Johnson Excellence and Crap World Building Award, is now been extended to the Kathleen Kennedy Ryan Johnson and Zack Snyder Excellence and Crap World Building Award because obviously he is also Zack Snyder himself, is also very much worthy of always being connected with some of the worst of the worst. And so very excited to talk about the nominations for that category this year. Tons and tons of awesome. Uh, nominations, I would think this year, I think if anyone is upset about Godzilla Minus One essentially being snubbed by the Oscars, just remind yourselves of a couple things. For one, the Oscars just really don't matter anymore. It used to be that if you got Best Picture, if you got an Oscar for being the best actor, if you got an Oscar for your screenplay, it, it used to mean something, right? It used to actually mean something. And now, especially over the last decade plus, It has just been watered down more and more every single year, every single moment by the injection of identity politics, the injection of garbage storytelling... And just really, really tired old politics as well in a more general sense. And speaking of that, I know that there is, of course, a lot of excitement tonight as there is a primary vote that is starting to come in uh, for the uh, the Republican primary. And I know that many people are going to be excited for that and are looking forward to that. Me, I-, I don't really care one or the other because it seems inevitable what's going to happen in that political space. And we're going to try to do our best to stay focused on what we are here for tonight, which, of course, is covering our Raven Awards. So this is if your first time uh, being on the channel with the Raven Awards. uh, Hey, get ready to have a lot of fun. Obviously, the big show is not going to be until March when we actually do a complete and utter boycott of the Oscars by going up right up against them. Same time slot, tame time slot. Not that anybody necessarily is going to be swayed one way or the other, but to be able to you know, give credit where credit is due. To be able to give awards and to recognize truly the best in film in 2023, and the worst in film and pop culture in 2023, I think is just such an important thing. And look who we got already in the chat. We got Low Watermark just dropping a massive, massive bomb. Dude, seriously, thank you so much. He just dropped 50, 50, 50, 50, Gifted memberships at the Army of Asgard level. Dude, you are a legend for all of the new members. Congratulations. I hope that you utilize those memberships the way uh, that they should be. Check out the community section here on the channel. I think there's also a membership section there as well where you get access to exclusive extra podcasts that I have done with a lot of people, including Michelle from Force of Light Entertainment. Several episodes with her. Also an episode with Carrie Smith, the lovely Carrie Smith from Deprogrammed with Carrie Smith and also an entire back catalog of podcasts that I did with John the Flick Pick Flickinger, falling behind a little bit once again, but you all know, you all recognize that family comes first and also when it comes down to it, family will just sometimes drive you crazy and, and take up a lot of time. So it was a little bit more difficult this year, especially with the new young'un uh, in the house and with things just being crazy as they typically are anyway, to be able to actually get the uh, the PowerPoint. I do, once again, have a PowerPoint presentation. Once again, I really liked how it worked out last year. I thought that it worked very well. I thought that was a very effective. And I was trying to get some videos together, and I've decided instead of doing the full action scene, Uh, Video like I've done before because those tend to be a little bit longer and I think I immediately got like copyright struck or warned or whatever it is Um, We're only going to show one video tonight of the best quotes and one-liners which will be our first category actually of the evening Uh, But before getting into that, let's go ahead and just go through the normal things So make sure you smash that like button, light up that fire button over on Odyssey and smash the rumble button as well And let's go ahead and say hello to people in the chat. There was a little error when we had started the stream. So, if you noticed anything in the very beginning with it starting and then stopping, I don't know what happened. OBS just randomly decided to crash. Uh, Again, low watermark. I do want to once again say thank you so very much for being so incredibly generous. Always, you know, gifting subs and always coming in, dropping bombs like that, man. And again, uh, if you are now a member, please check out that community tab because there are some... Fun little perks there. All right. And because we did have that little bit of a hiccup earlier on, it does mean that some of the chats did not, uh, unfortunately, did not get saved. Um, So let me see if I can at least find some of the earlier YouTube chats. That way I can ensure that people get what or people can be recognized for their early comments. So first, uh, CM Chunk says, Who cares about politics when there's the Raven Award nominations? Boom. Exactly. Uh, Father Luca then says, wanted to greet you guys. Hopefully you're doing great. By the way, will you recite the Raven for us during the Raven Awards? Nevermore. I I got that reference and probably not, just never really been a thing here on the channel. Master Gaming in the chat as well. Uh, Taigia Ty, uh, uh, 527. Will there be a link for Raven nominee, uh, uh, nominations? Yes, so basically, at this point, nominations are closed, so you had uh, plenty of time, several weeks, to put forth your nominees for people that you wanted to see in various categories. I tried posting the link out as often as I could. We still only ended up having about maybe 40 Or fifty. I think we actually got to 50 this year. I think 53 was their final total of people who put nominations forward. So first off, if you are one of the 53 that actually put forth nominations, seriously, thank you. Uh, I think that is one of the larger numbers that we have ever had. Usually that's the one that doesn't do nearly as well. People rather would vote on something versus, you know, come up with ideas and come up with uh, people and things like that. So I again, just want to make sure I I say first off, thank you to everyone who was a part of the nomination process. And also... A big thing's First time this year, I had a Raven Awards committee. This was based on, or rather based in CriticList. As you all know, I'm a big fan of the site CriticList.com. Not sponsored by them in any way. I just thoroughly enjoy their app and use it all the time. And I was able to create a private group over there that allowed for me to say, okay, here are some people that I know talk about a lot of movies, see a lot of movies, see a lot of the modern movies out there. And if there's going to be categories where there's just because of the limited number of people nominating, we we are just kind of missing, uh, you know, missing some categories or missing some nominees in certain categories because you can only get nominated if you have at least two nominations because of the way the numbers work. And there are many categories that had at least two or three slots that could not be filled because they just had you know, random ones here and there. So put together a list, made them rank it. So again, it was I'm sure a little bit tedious for them to go through that ranking process, but it helped to finalize some of the categories and also to to help out with the best picture as well, because that was one I really wanted to make sure this year uh, that we were going to get a a great list of films, and I think that we have absolutely some of the best films that came out in 2023. So I cannot wait to go into that. Keely Chow was here early as well, reminding everyone not to cuss, and obviously make sure that you're respectful. We're a family-friendly channel here. Keely Chow also asked how the family was doing. Everyone is doing great. Father Chris Miller says, I'm back. I am back. Glad to hear that. Fear FEMA, J.S. Pena, Mr. Roy as well. And I think now that would mean that the chat is caught up. And so now I can finally start to highlight comments. So again, J.S. Pena says, ahoy, ahoy to you. Thank you again very much for being here. You are awesome. And again, I just can't believe I'm just looking at this list. Uh, and, dude, low watermark. You are a boss man. 50 memberships. Gotta love it. Love to see it. Uh, I think that at this point, everyone, I assume, would have to now have been a member. <laughs> uh, but you're awesome, dude. Thank you. Alright, 724 in the chat. Icthulu tagged to say, Hello and good evening to you and all in the chat. Hail to you. Mr. Roy in the chat as well. Bruce in the chat. Kimberly G. Killian Shadow Cat, What's going on? Killerly G. Says, Howdy all. I wonder what gift baskets will be this year. Says Wayward Noodle. Uh-uh-uh. Unlike the Hollywood shills and Hollywood media, especially who cover the movies, who get their little gift bags and get their swag before they put their first thoughts and put their reviews out there. And clearly... Clearly, their reviews are always tainted by it, or at the very least impacted by it. Uh, yeah, we don't have that here. We don't have that here. We all do this stuff for fun. G. Micah seventy six, what's going on, Laura, the Mother Major General? Sorry, says yeah, Odin. Where's the roven? Uh, where's the Raven swag? Um, you know what? I will say that I, I think that that is something I might have to look into this year of creating actual Ravens uh, swag as far as you know T-shirts. If anyone thinks they are really good at design um, and either would be willing to work either just freelance or would be willing to to work for a fair fee. Just contact me, email me through, or contact me through Twitter DM. Um, obviously, contact me through email, odismovieblog at gmail.com. And uh, if you have any samples, that, of course, would be helpful. But, yeah, that might be something that could be fun to do is to actually have actual Raven swag, actual – Maybe hats or shirts or an actual award as of sorts, at least a digital one that we could send out. We, we I feel like we, we get a little bit better technologically every single year. And last year, I think I really stepped it up with the PowerPoint because PowerPoints, as you all know, are just, you know, peak, right? The absolute best you can do when it comes to <laughs> a nomination form. Uh, let's see. Anyway, Spen, yeah. I guess it's a good thing that minus one got nominated for visual effects, although I doubt it will win at the Oscars. I mean, he says, yeah, that's the word I've heard. As you all know, I used to be a big fan of the Oscars. I used to follow that stuff. I used to know all of the stats and in many of ways. I still do owe the stats. If you are someone who likes to bet, I would say if you're trying to bet who's going to win best picture, go to the best added, edit- go to the best editing category. Um, the number of times that films have won best picture is, and not had an editing nomination are slim to none. There's very, very few times in Oscars history where a film has won Best Picture without also having at least an editing nomination. Not a win, but a nomination. And so with that in mind, if, if you are someone of the betting sort, obviously, you know, do with what you will. I cannot give you financial advice, but what I can at least do is say from my experience that that is, again, a statistic that I believe still holds a lot of a lot of weight. Maybe you want to double check that for yourself looking back at the last several. But, again, it also does not necessarily matter because the Oscars still do not matter. They just don't. Forever Sci-Fi, hail to you. Orange Hour Views in the chats. He is the king mod. Make sure you are paying attention and listening to his instructions. Ambrose Chamberpot. Michael Birgit says, Are you going to see Godzilla minus one color? Or minus color? Got my ticket for Friday, right? And looking forward to this version. Um, if I can, I will. Um, I would love to see it in that in that format. But obviously, time is not really on my side with the things recently. Hilariously Awful Production says, Ooh, then you're going to watch the chosen season four in theaters in February. I have not really ever watched The Chosen I think I've watched one episode not my cup of tea it's just it's just not my thing it is faith-based but I just don't really enjoy um the way in which it is presented I I think basically I let's just say I have one of these you know as someone who has a, a degree in theology not trying to make myself better than anyone else by by any means but I start I tend to notice things theologically a lot more than what others would and to me, I think there's a lot of theological problems when it comes to the way that the story is being presented. Let's see. Sacre bleu, the deadly poke of Zorro. What's going on, man? I feel like it's been a while. Icthulu trying to say, the Oscars matter. My neighbors, the Oscars are nice and always put up nice decorations for the holidays. Okay, well, those Oscars, sure. Sure, we could say those Oscars. You know which ones we're talking about here, okay? Rob D says, I was just happy Doug we got to speak last night, at the primary prep. Interesting. Interesting. The average Patriot nerd, hail Odin, I placed my nominations for the Ravens last week, and I'm interested to see what the outcome is. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. A lot. A lot of interesting things have been going on. Uh, There's a lot of categories I'm pretty happy with. A couple that I'm surprised by. Um, And uh, one of the things that I'm also planning to do this year, and I, I know I mentioned it briefly either last stream or the last couple of streams, is that what I hope to do is, I hope to have um, random, you know, as planned as possible, but random ultimately streams on Discord and it be to, and for it to be for us to have movie watch parties. And the reason why is because I want for anyone who especially ever feels like they have not seen really anything that's come out to at least have the chance to do so. I think it's always better to vote when you actually can say for sure something is better or something is worse than something else than rather just basing it off of what other people's opinions are. Um, and I think there's also a lot of really good, especially independent films that no one ever really gets to see that I would love to be able to showcase as well. Um, so again, please you know stay tuned to that. Nothing has been officially confirmed on that. I have no actual direct you know, plans with dates or anything. Um, but of course, if you want to use, utilize the Discord server, you can join, to, you know, click, click on that top link in the video description below. You'll see that there is a link to the Discord server there. And uh, obviously be respectful, be responsible. And I believe there is a room already set aside though for movie nights and movie watch parties if you choose to have them. Uh, tag me in them if you decide to have them, and I might be able to join. Orange says, as pretty much everyone has memberships now, even as a member, type at Odin. Yes, that is a very good point. Normally, one of the perks of being a member is you don't have to type at Odin, but I do ask that you do, since now the vast majority of people have memberships, thanks to the amazing Low Water Mark. Don't worry, we are getting to the nominations in a second. I just do like to say hello to the people. Kili Chow. Hanging out here. We got Master of Gaming, who is a member, saying... Now that Wonka and Hunger Games Battle Songbirds and Snakes did well at the box office... Do audiences want prequels like the first Omen? Uh, I feel like you've been obsessed with the first Omen, dude. So I'm just still going to say probably not. Um, it's If it's a low-budget horror film, I think it has one of those guarantees to be successful. Wonka was able to be successful because it was able to show itself to be respectful of the source material... And also to be inoffensive, I would not say that the Hunger Games: Battle to the Songbirds and Snakes is as big of a success as what you seem to indicate. All right, when even if you again, even if a movie is able to break even or make some profits on top of it, when you are still hundreds of millions of dollars away from the previous movies in that franchise, you're still very far removed. Okay, so I think it's still you. So basically. The audience that you had, the fan base that you had, has been cut by so much. And and maybe I'll have to do a, a ticket analysis, right? Take the entire totals from all the films, compare them to the average ticket price from that year to showcase this further. But they have lost millions and millions of people. So, yes, on paper, individually as a film, sure, successful. But to say that people are hungering for it or wanting it, that that's a very far stretch, dude. All right. There's so much more to it than just that. Anyway, Low Watermark who is a member and again thank you so very much for being generous there saying, "Did you see that Gothics had CryptoCoin take over her channel?" No, I did not. That's awful though. Uh good grief. Yeah, that's that's definitely something that I I hope and pray never never is an issue that I have to worry about dealing with, but you know, sometimes you can't stop those things. Hope that everything gets back in order though. Let's see. Sacre Bleu says, I fully intend to abuse my new membership. Thank you very much, Odin. Steven says, Happy Taco Tuesday, Odin. Where's your favorite spot to eat tacos? Mine is King Taco here in Cali. I am uh, I'm a very bad taco fan. Uh, I'm very much a, a, a by the numbers guy. So uh, I will say for me, it's Taco Bell. I think that Ryan RK Outpost is of the same mindset that I am. I, I love Taco Bell. I love the fact that it's cheap. I love the fact that it tastes delicious. Then that's all I need. That's all I need. Not gonna downplay or downgrade any of the, you know, any of the other places that you might want to go to. But I do love those. The only other one I could think of because also I'm not a big taco eater in general. Like if I'm gonna have a craving for tacos, it's gonna be a very okay. I just want quick, easy access. Um, when I lived in New York City, though, there was a taco place. There was a Mexican restaurant. And I'm blanking on the name of it, but it was on 59th Street near Columbus Circle. And it was it was the something box, if I'm not mistaken. If anyone happens to be like in that region or that area or knows that area, and you might know, like, oh, the blank box or whatever it is, then you, you might know what, what it is I'm, I'm referring to. But that one also had a really, really, really good taco. So definitely not an expert, though, in that regard. All right. Oh, I think I may have accidentally, uh, for some reason, oh, yep, there it is. Accidentally uh, did that. Sorry. I was like, why did the chat stop coming up? That's not good. So if you had a comment that was not read, just give me a moment, please. Hold on. See, King Gain Rumsky says, got my coffee, Odin Cast going, and New Hampshire updates on the other tab. Life is good. Awesome, dude. He then goes on to say, which movie title do you like better, the last Mission Impossible movie or the last Hunger Games movie? Um, I guess the be- the question would be better to s- better worded as, which do I like least? Because I don't really like either of them. Um, but I think probably Dead Reckoning Part 1. I, I-, I don't know. Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes is-, is bad. But for me, the Mission Impossible title, honestly, may have had some small impact on the box office. Jeremy Zikowski, bought my tickets to see Godzilla Minus One Minus Color this Thursday. It's the best way to celebrate this movie box office success. $100 million, a milestone for Toho Studios. Absolutely. Off of productions. Odin, don't double post. There's no need, unless that was an issue of the chat. Um, let's see, Rob D. Hello, Odin. How did nominations go compared to last year? Yeah, it's a great question. I'll have to actually look up the old nominations to know for sure, but we did get 53 people nominate. And then we also had the nominations committee, of which four so, for anyone, like, saying, like, oh, it's this huge group, it's, like, four people voted in that one, and and that ultimately had a, a small impact, enough of an impact to, to help push some films over the edge to get into the nomination, but also to split up some ties as well, and, uh, you know, being what it is. Cthulhu says, I nominated cocaine, <laughs> cocaine, cocaine, uh, cocaine Bear for everything. Playing the odds, I know it'll win something. If that's what you think. Laura, who is now also a member, thanks to the incredibly generous Low Watermark. Uh, Sega, hey dude, thank you so very much. I want to give a shout out to you as well. Uh, He uh, donated a $20 donation via Streamlabs uh, four days ago, saying, Strange happenings about two nights ago. Dreamt that I asked you uh, if you would be able to make me a rosary. Currently in the process of buying house. Um, and I appreciate how strong your faith is. So I actually just saw earlier today the uh, request you made on the Rosary Request Form, and I will get on top of that as soon as I possibly can. And uh, so, again, it might be a little while, but I will try and keep you up to date, and hopefully within the next couple of weeks, it'll be sent your way. Ricky Bobby. What's up, Ricky Bobby? What's going on? Hilariously awful. Oh, dang, somehow I just became a freeloading member. Thanks to whoever gave me. Uh, if that, you are Demand or the Dame. Rob D., Uh, Odin, now I imagine you're going to be one hour behind the chat with all the new members, probably. Kimberly G., Odin swag bag would be a rosary, Blu-ray, and ice cream coupon. That is a fact. Ice cream, for sure. Clint Sutts says, I'm going to see Godzilla Minus minus Color on Saturday. Nice. Rod Priester says, is the snow gone down there, cleared to Nashville? Oh, yeah, dude. Like, this... I'm very sad. I love snow. I love ice, and so it's it's very sad to see that every you know last couple of days it's just been going down further and further. So now we have like the last remnants of any of the ice that we've had, and that will probably be wiped away because of some of the rains coming through tonight, uh, which makes me sad. Forever Sci-Fi. No, ma- no way Hollywood would nominate Godzilla. They had a whole scene with a bunch of men deciding what to do, and not one girl boss showing them all up and telling them what to do. Yeah. Well, also like, wouldn't that mean that the film? Again, all I know because I just don't really pay attention to any of that stuff anymore. Really, all I all I heard was, um, "Oh my goodness!" All I heard was that it got snubbed. But then uh, Laura in the chat, again, shout out to Laura for always keeping everybody honest, uh, corrected the message to say it actually did get nominated for best visual effects. But then that means that it did not get nominated for best foreign language film. And, and that, to me, is atrocious, if that is indeed the actual case. Hilariously Awful says, let's get into it. I'd love to hear your arguments against it. I have a I have a couple, two, three issues with the way things are presented, but my biggest issues was the way um, Jenkins handled Red Flag. I don't know what you're referring to, dude. I really, really don't. That did not make any real sense to to me. So, again, please make sure you put at O to the very beginning of comment, especially now since all the new members are here. It does help out a lot. Uh, Cthulhu says, you're a teacher? How do you not know what's not in Taco Bell tacos? It's basically dog food. Correction, it's about a grade or two uh, above dog food. About a grade or two above. So, it's close, but, but it's not, you know, fully there. It's not, not fully there. And I did see someone get it correctly. Yes, JJ52, right on top of it. That's right, Burrito Box. Yes, uh, it was not 59th, it was uh, 9th Avenue. So Burrito Box on 9th Avenue, yes, those things were addicting. Um, so, so greasy, but still also very, very good. So that would be my go-to when I did live up in New York. Haven't been there for many, many years at this point, but it was pretty darn good all right so we'll get back into all of that stuff in just a bit but I know some of y'all are like man dude just get on with it just get into the nominations and we are going to do just that the 50 people watching here on YouTube and across the all the all the other platforms let's go ahead then and talk about that's right the Raven Awards the time has finally come the finally the time is finally here upon us and so now, Without any further ado whatsoever, the Raven Award nomination for 2023 in our first category it's going to be the first and only video of the night. And again, it's because of the whole copyright stuff. I did everything I could to find the best clips, but the clips online for some of these lines were very hard to find and were, were very hard to get, you know, the, the, the levels to be equal audio wise. So just like normal, I'll, I'll have the video play and then I will read off of the list after it is done. But the nominations for the best one-liner or quote from a movie in 2023 are as follows. Because God's children are not for sale. Nine seconds. That's what you have to decide your fate. Nine seconds. Friendship means little when it's convenient. And now I am become death. The destroyer of worlds. that That's the sound of freedom All right so first nominations are now officially out. And just in case uh, the, the audio didn't come through or there were any issues there, the nominations for Best One Liner or Quote Movie in Line of 2023 are Now I Am Become Death, The Destroyer of Worlds from Oppenheimer. Friendship means nothing when it's convenient from John Wick, Chapter 4. Nine seconds. That's what I'll give you to decide your fate. Nine seconds. From The Equalizer, Three. God's Children Are Not For Sale from Sound of Freedom. And lastly, do you hear that? That is The Sound of Freedom from, of course, the film Sound of Freedom. So those are our nominees for Best One-Liner of the Year. I do love this category quite a bit. It's something that always is inspiring to me because it just goes to show you that every year that there are films still being put out, that there are lines still being written by so many in, in the screenwriting space That can not only capture a moment. I think, especially, I'm so happy that people were nominating quite a bit "Sound of Freedom" uh, in this category, and to be able to 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 have those so you know just so simple yet so powerful in, uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, and, and just the the being bigger than the actual moment of the film itself transcending one could say the moment of the film itself to really get into things i thought was 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 fantastic so those were the nominations and again if your nomination did not get in keep in mind that these were the nominees that got at least 2 Nominations, all right. At least two nominations, and this was one where the committee did have to determine the last uh, the last couple of slots because of just again, this category is always a tricky one because it's sometimes hard to remember certain lines. But I think uh, hopefully those nominations show that there were indeed quite a bit. Of good nominations. All right, so the way that typically works for those that don't know is now we're going to start to go into uh, the PowerPoint, start to go into the other nominations in a little bit more of a formal fashion. And so I will try to keep up with the live chat. As much as I possibly can, but we'll take a pause here and there to eventually uh, be able to to read your comments and your. Uh, actually, you know what? We'll probably just go ahead and go through all the nominations and then come back to the chat and then just catch up with everybody that way, uh, as I think that will open up a lot of conversation. We'll see how things go. As you all know, there's never a plan here necessarily. We just work things as they go. So anyway, all right. The Raven Award nominations. So the next category is for Best Stunt Work. This is a category I'm happy to have as a part of the Raven Awards because one of the most underappreciated members of any Hollywood uh, movie set are the stunt workers. They are the ones that, especially for action films, make the movie. Without these stunt workers, you literally would not have a movie and it would not be nearly as good. They are the unsung heroes. They are the ones that deserve so much more respect. That's why I always like to really start off with this category. So if the... Best films, right? So, the best stunt teams, right? The best stunt teams for 2023 in film are the stunt team for John Wick, Chapter 4. The stunt team for Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. Or, as I will say more often now, Mission Impossible 7 for just my own mental state. Extraction 2. The stunt team for Godzilla, Minus 1. And lastly, the stunt team for Gran Turismo. Congratulations to all nominees in this in this category. I think that all of them had uh, several shining moments. You think, of course, of the crazy stunts in Mission Impossible and in John Wick. You think also of the crazy uh, film sequences in Extraction. That that jail. Uh, sequence especially right is a very very powerful one that happens and then Gran Turismo of course also uses a lot of practical effects of course does have some CGI but does use practical so I got to give kudos to to them for that and then Godzilla minus one right using also a lot of practical effects and a lot of, of extras and a lot of actors Doing some really, really powerful and compelling work. And even though they're not doing like the crazy flippity-doos like in John Wick or the jumping off of a, a <laughs> of a mountain like in Mission Impossible 7, I, I do think that there is a lot uh to be said for for Grand uh you know, for so far as for Godzilla minus one in that way. So congratulations to those nominated. The next category we have is best animated movie. So, this is also one that some years we get some obscure nominations, and I think that we're going to say the same thing here as well as uh, we see these lists come out. So, the first nomination for Best Animated Film is Suzume, The Boy and the Heron, Across the Spider Verse, The Super Mario Brothers movie, and The Venture Brothers Radiance is the Blood of the Baboon Heart. Uh, as I said, a, a very <laughs> interesting set of nominees this year. As you all know, I'm a big fan of Suzume. Saw that earlier in the year. Boy and the Heron as well, big a fan of that. Not a big fan of Across the Spider-Verse, but I cannot deny that it did indeed uh, get, get some love from the nominations. And so, obviously, we we have to respect the nominations as they come in. And I, can, I, I totally uh, recognize those that defend... Some of the animation uh, styles and choices and other things like it, but again, it was indeed getting in. Super Mario Brothers movie, you all know, I'm not a fan of that film. I thought that film was vastly overrated, uh, but still, I I know a lot of people still enjoyed it from earlier in the year. And I am not a Venture Brothers person. I, I know of the Venture Brothers. I've heard a lot of fun things about them. Just never fell them into fell into them myself. And so when I saw this film got nominated, I, I thought that was interesting. And uh, it was indeed able to squeeze in. Uh, because of the help of my uh, amazing panel. Uh, So congratulations to Venture Brothers. Radiant is is the blood of the baboon heart, and it's definitely one that I'd be interested in checking out, as it is now officially a nomination, a nominee, I should say, for this year's Raven Awards. All right, the next category that we have is one of my favorites, right? It's one of my favorites. Sometimes it gets confused with another category here, but I think there is just enough distinction that... We're going to continue to keep it, and we're going to continue to move forward with it. So this is for NPC of the year. This is for the people who show themselves to have no grasp on reality, repeating talking points without thinking, and really just the dullest of the dull, right? These are the people who are the dullest of the dull, and I think this actually might be the the biggest category, the biggest set of nominations that we've ever had, actually, in a Raven Awards year. So the nominations for NPC of the year are Rachel Zegler. Sure. No one saw that one coming. Grace Randolph Kathleen Kennedy. Hope you all appreciate that image. Joe Biden, president of the United States and Greta Gerwig. Those are the nominees. So again, congratulations uh, for anyone that likes to, to to take clips or likes to tag, hey, go ahead and tag the POTUS and say, "Hey, you just got nominated for an award, Joe. You just got nominated for NPC of the Year. It got more than one nomination, and in a year when there's not as many nominations, especially this category, this was one a lot of people punted on. And again, respect to anyone out there. I know that a lot of people obviously have their have their reasons." But uh, yeah, it was very interesting to see. Now, what is also interesting is that Grace Randolph is is notorious for the Ravens for almost always being nominated for Shill of the Year. So for her to to make her way into NPC of the Year, that that's a that's a whole other step down. What one could say. Right, that's a whole other step down. Let me see if I could pull up. I did. Pull, I did uh, put together a little bit of uh, facts on some of the categories here. So, for those wondering, Grace Randolph is now a two-time nominee, so she has been nominated once before. Kathleen Kennedy uh, had been a three-time nominee. You also have Brie Larson, who had won this award. Twice in 2018 and 2019. Pedro Pascal won this in 2020. Seth Rogen in 2021. And Frost was our winner last year. So uh, interesting stuff going on at the Ravens for this year. So again, Grace Randolph getting now her second nomination. It's been, I think, a little while since she got nominated for NPC of the Year. And also for Kathleen Kennedy as a three-time nominee. Clearly a lot of people with not a whole lot of thoughts going on in their heads I think we can all at least agree with that point next going on to best visual effects as you all know I am a stickler for CGI it's one of the things that I focus on so much and it's something that is so important and that's why for me it's not just about how the effects are rendered how they look it's also how are they being utilized what is the reason for them being utilized because visual effects can look good but they can be overused Right, And I think that it's so incredibly important for us to be able to recognize the indifference between them and the importance of not just good, well-crafted visual effects, but also being utilized the way that they should as well. So anyway, the nominees for Best Visual Effects for the Films of 2023 are Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, Godzilla, Minus 1, Oppenheimer, the Creator and Mission Impossible 7, Dead Reckoning Part 1. Uh, a very much a surprise for me, at least, that Guardians of the Galaxy did get some love here. But it is also not as much because it was a film that I think, at the very least, was, was received in a middling fashion. Right, I, myself... Thought, hey, there were some pulling and tugging at the heartstrings that the film actually absolutely had, and it's the best thing that they have done since Endgame, but that doesn't really say a whole lot, right? It still also suffered from a lot of the typical, you know, MCU fare, and I think some of the visual effects were actually not that great. But when it came to the Rocket Raccoon storyline, I actually do think that the Guardians' effects did actually hold up quite quite a bit, especially compared to, you know, films like The Flash and films like The Marvels, obviously, after the fact. And so I, I, I say I'm surprised, but I'm also not that surprised either. But those were, indeed, the nominees for best visual effects. Cool to see Oppenheimer in here having used a lot of practical effects, right? This is not just a CGI category, because visual effects goes well beyond just computer-generated imagery. And also the creator getting some love here with just also having a, a much lower budget than some of these other films and yet having also some of the most uh, beautifully rendered uh, visual effects of the year. No no more so, I think, than Godzilla Last 1, though, with a $15 million budget, having just amazing uh, visual effects. So shout out to all of the nominees in this category. All right, now we are moving on to Best Cinematography. All right, Best Cinematography. This is uh, one of my favorite categories as well because I am a huge fan of camera work. I'm a huge fan of of the way in which the shots are framed in a movie, the methodology, the psychology that goes in behind it all. And so that's why typically in my reviews, I focus on two things: right, visual effects, but the other big one that I focus on also is cinematography. If a film does not have competent cinematography, then it it's gonna be some problems. It's gonna, it's, I'm gonna have some problems with it ultimately. So. Anyway, the nominees for Best Cinematography are Kozo Shibasaki for Godzilla, minus one. Dan Losten, Lotsen for John Wick, chapter four. Apologies if I mispronounce any of these names. Fraser Taggart for Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, part one. Hoyt Van Hoytema. For the film *Oppenheimer*, and Oren Soffer and Greg Fraser for the creator. So I think a very solid list of nominees here. You always forget about who is the actual person behind the camera. That there's some names out there like Roger Deakins, for instance, uh, Emmanuel Lubetsky, who's you know more well known in the industry for different things. So I'm always happy to see. Maybe lesser-known people or or people that otherwise wouldn't necessarily get recognized uh, be mentioned here. Uh, One quick note about this one, though, is because we actually do have a uh, multi-nominee in this category. And so, interestingly enough, if you look to uh, Hoyt uh, Van Hoytema, he is a two-time nominee, but he's also won. So Hoyt Van Hoytema won for his work on the film Tenet. So he won the Raven Award back in 2020 for Tenet of which he was a cinematographer for. Uh, so this is now his second nomination, but he has won one time. This is also the second nomination for Greg Fraser. Sorry. Um, yeah, it is actually, sorry. Yes, that is correct. It is also the second nomination for Greg Fraser because he won for Dune in 2021. Dune Part 1 in 2021. So even though he was a co-cinematographer there, that's also a, a unique thing about this is that both of them were listed as cinematographers but hey that still counts greg frazier two-time nominee now um and and obviously that was a a a big contender back at that point but um back in 2021 and he indeed won for dune so could we see a repeat with the creator only time will tell but right now very happy to see these categories as they are would love to hear what y'all also think are some of the snubs uh, for the year as we continue to go through these uh, nominations. All right, the next category is most SJW screenwriters. This is one that have triggered some people when I had the list at the beginning of the year saying, all right, do you want to change any of the categories? This is one of the ones where where, where people <laughs> where, where people got a little bit triggered on and, and tried to fight against it. Um, but it's still one that I, I thoroughly enjoy. All right, so the most SJW screenwriters are as follows. Greta Gerwig and Noah Bombach for the film Barbie. Nia DaCosta, Megan McDonald, and Elisa Karasik for the Marvels. Jeff Loveness for Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Jez Butterworth, John Henry Butterworth, David Coep, and James Mangold for Indiana Jones and The Dial of Destiny. And Jennifer Lee and Allison Moore For their screenplay of Wish. Oh boy. An eclectic group of just completely garbage films. Right? All around. And I think we could absolutely say that identity politics is very clearly being pushed throughout each and every one of them. So, once again, very well deserved nominations here. Especially for the likes of people like Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach who in my opinion, are just some of the most uh, cringeworthy, cringe-level writers right now working in Hollywood. And if you really want to understand why Barbie is, is just terrible at a societal level for that fact, you should watch their movie Marriage Story because it really, I think, gets into kind of their psyche in that way. So anyway, these are seen as the most SJW screenwriters in 2023. Also all just terrible movies. All right. Now moving on to a big category that we like to do a little bit earlier in the uh, the awards show, and so we'll get our nominations out here too. So we now have the nominees for Best Director of 2023. The nominees are Takashi Yamazaki for Godzilla, minus one. Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon. Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer. Chad Stolesky for John Wick, Chapter 4. And Ben Affleck for the film Air. This this was one that uh, there was some... At the very end, there were not enough people that had gotten... Obviously, a lot of these directors got a, a lot of votes up front, and so there were not nearly as many in the other categories right in the other categories. Uh and so ultimately in the committee that was put together, it was actually Ben Affleck for Air that got promoted. I actually have heard some pretty good things about the film. It's a movie that I never saw. It's a movie that I think a lot of people have not seen, and yet I I do hear that it's a good film. So happy to see that get recognized here. I hopefully you know hope that it may you know, influence some people to maybe check it out and see if it is any good uh, to see if his direction at least is any good. Uh, what we do remember though, is the air that air was indeed just a financial flop at the box office. It just did not make any money, but uh, a very good group, a very, very good group of directors up here. Again, glad to see Yamazaki for Godzilla minus one. Scorsese is a legend. I know that there was a lot of controversy over killers of the flower moon, but no one can deny that the direction of the film was just fantastic. Obenheimer, I'm mixed on. It's a B-movie for me. I I think that Nolan made a lot of pretentious moves there, so I'm not the biggest fan of that. Um, But uh, Stad Zaleski, I'm I'm happy to see that he has been nominated here uh, for this category because John Wayne Chapter 4 was just a ton of fun. All right. Now, this is one where, okay, you're you're already seeing some things there, but it's going to be a little bit harder to see. There will be a full video when we do the actual awards show in March, uh, there will be an actual like sizzle reel, but because of the whole copyright thing, I would rather only deal with that once on the night of the show than deal with it now. And so instead, we just have gifts and, and title cards for our nominees for this next category. And so as much as we want to, of course, give kudos to the stunt teams on any project, we also want to say, hey, there were some awesome fight scenes and action sequences that happened this year and happened at almost any given year in fact and so the nominees for the best fight scene action sequence of 2023 are Extraction 2 the 20 minute action shot that's right apparently it was all shot as a single shot and so that one got a lot of attention from the nominations John Wick 4 Stairs I think that is the best way to describe it. Try to find a GIF of just him falling down the stairs and could not find one that would work with, uh, with the system that I'm working with right now. But, oh man, that was a darn good time watching that in the theater. Also a great time, though, and another nomination for John Wick, John Chapter 4, the Osaka fight sequence. What I love about the Osaka fight sequence is that it has so many different beats, Right. They they, they give moments for the different uh, characters that are about to fight one another to to, to breathe just a bit. So in a film that is just filled with 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 so many different things, with so many different fight sequences, the fact that they're able to make every single one of them feel unique and feel special and feel and and just feel so clever, I think is a lot of fun. So glad to see this film get nominated twice uh, for two excellent uh, action sequences. Next, we have Mission Impossible 7, the motorcycle sequence. So, as we all know, Tom Cruise is insane. He is crazy. He is insane. And so, yes, he indeed drove a bike off of a a mountain, essentially, and then was able to pull a parachute and do some pretty amazing uh, stunt work there. So, kudos to Tom Cruise for always being able to, to raise the bar there. And lastly, we have another repeated... Uh, film here, and that is Mission Impossible 7, once again, which is the Handcuff Fiat Chase. So, this was another one where there were a lot of other nominations for other parts of John Wick 4 and other parts of Mission Impossible 7, but these were the ones that got the most attention. So, there was the Handcuff Chase was the way it was worded in one, the Fiat Chase was the way it was worded in another, um, but I was very happy to see these. I think all of these are worthy. I was not very much a fan of, of Extraction 2, I just thought the story was not as good as the first one. I think I've mentioned this previously, that the first one had this this kid that kept the story grounded, that kept the character also grounded. You actually cared about him. Whereas this movie did not. Um, That being said, when watching the clip as I was getting the the scissor reel together, what I noticed was that, oh, this thing still looks pretty darn good. right? This thing still looks pretty Darn good as far as the action uh, consequences and as far as the way it's being presented. All right, so let's go ahead and go to breakthrough performance. We might take a small break after this to jump into the chat um, and uh, see what y'all have to say, and then we'll we'll finish off things here. But breaking, uh, sorry, breaking through. All right, the next category we have is breakthrough performance. So these are the performances that, whether it's an actor who is established, whether it's an actor who's brand new, these were the performances that just stood out this year, right? They stood out more so than anything else. And this was one that also had a lot of really great nominations uh, in it. And I'm very excited that we have the, the list of nominees here for the Raven Awards this year. And so our first nominee is Zac Efron for The Iron Claw. Jim Caviezel for Sound of Freedom. Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon. Sean Patrick Flannery for Nefarious. And Madeline Voiles for The Creator. I- I'm going to be straight up and say I honestly think the the happiest I ever, uh, the happiest that I was in making this categories list was seeing Sean Patrick Flannery uh, be able to to get in. Uh, both he and Madeline Voiles actually both had two nominations. So they were just able to get in. They were the only other two with two. And I'm so happy. If you've not seen Nefarious, it's not a movie for everybody. But I think anyone who's honest will say that Sean Patrick Flannery gives a- an incredible performance. It's something where you honestly just don't believe, especially if you've seen his work before, that... He would be capable of something like that, and it's just there's so much nuance. There's there's just so much nuance here uh, in his performance, and so uh, I also hope that this nomination might lead you to to maybe consider watching the film if you have not actually watched it previously. And then the little girl in, in the creator, Madeline Voyles, holy crap! Like seriously, she she just knocks it out of the park. Uh, she does such a great job. She is such the heart of that movie, the creator. So recommend that film, of course. Um, and and hope that everyone's able to to check out you know all the films that are getting nominated here, at least the good ones, uh, but uh, happy to see that. Lily Gladstone, as much, again, of the issues that exist within Killers of the Flower Moon, and I, I totally recognize the criticisms there, Lily Gladstone is a great part of it. right? She is a very talented actress and does a great job performing there, so I thought that breakthrough performance absolutely fits that. Jim Caviezel, we all know that he's broken through before. right? His portrayal of Christ and the Passion of the Christ is still... Right, just one of the most haunting uh, performances that we've ever had. But he does such a great job here in this film too. So absolutely great. And then yeah, Zephron dude. Zach Efron. Zephron getting nominated for Iron Claw. Happy to see some love for Iron Claw. It's one of my favorite films of the year. Maybe even my favorite. And it is something where he got so jacked for the role and he fully invested into it. And you honestly just believe uh, everything going on in, in, in the film. You believe everything going on uh, that that is being told to you of this, you know, incredibly uh, tragic story. All right, so before getting into the worst writing or story in film, let's just take a quick break. Let me drink some water for a second. Hopefully, y'all are doing okay in the chat. We'll be uh, very quickly uh, over here because we, do, we don't we do want to go too long tonight. and uh, But I do also want to be able to, to show my love to my people who have been hanging out. Let's see, Clint Stutt says, I'm one of the 53, I feel so elite. Boom, baby, there you go. Master Gaming says, I hope Nerdrotic makes you watch Argyle or Madame Web. I want to hear your opinions on it. Um, I believe that Madame Web is going to be on the list, but I will say this, I'm not seeing it opening night. I refuse. you want to know why? Because Madame Web is not coming out on Valentine's Day, as everyone keeps reminding everybody. It's actually Ash Wednesday. It's Ash Wednesday that that is coming out. So to me, that's even more egregious that it's being released at that time, right? Argyle, I think, might be on that list, but yeah. Who knows? Kitty Chow, there's a reason why Taco Bell is known as Taco Hell. I've never had issues with it personally. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Let's see. Michael Burgett says it didn't get nominated for Best Foreign Film because Japan presented the Wim Wenders film Perfect Days, which did get nominated. It's too bad uh it's too bad countries are only limited to one film per country. Yeah, again, I guess that is a fair shot, so thank you for the adding that context there, but it, it to me it is sad for sure. But that's also why I think the film probably should have been, you know, knowing that, that is something that it should have influenced the the rest of the Academy to to try to get it into something like a Best Picture or something like that. But again, this is why, the, you know, the Oscars just don't matter anymore. It's just such such garbage. 626 Charles says, they have no bad locations. Great quality control by company. Which one are you talking about there? Laura is very excited for The Ravens. For The Ravens. Laura then says, "Equalizer" is such a good film. It really is. Really is. Solid film. Hardwick says, my one-liner didn't make it. i uh, sorry to hear that. Laura says, I liked, is your war over? I did too. And that did get some attention. But as I've said, some of the uh, ones that even I liked did not get enough for me to be able to justify. So that that's what really makes me, uh, you know, that's what makes me sad. Um, are the ones that I really like, but I, I again, to be fair, I you know can't go further. Master Gaming, uh, what is the relevancy of this question here? We're, we're doing the Ravens, man. No, I don't want a sequel to Waterworld. Don't I don't understand you. Colin K., what is going on? All righty. Abomination hanging out over on Odyssey says, Little Mermaid got snubbed for Best Stunt Team. Shame. Oh, man. Master of Gaming, do not repeat, please. Especially when it's a completely irrelevant comment. JJ52, Suzume was great. It really was great, dude. It's so, so good. Um very happy to hear. Very, very, very happy to hear that that film got nominated. Uh Jeremy Zikowski says when I heard Oppenheimer quote I have become death destroyer of the worlds I could have sworn I heard Godzilla roaring in the background. <laughs> well, you know, probably did create in a certain way. Can't can't deny that as a possibility. Kimberly G says I picked I am enough. I see those t-shirts everywhere. And Kimberly G, okay, Kimberly G, I will say this much. There was indeed a I am enough presence. However, I had to make an executive decision. It is not a quote in the movie. At no point does Ken actually say the words, I am Knuff. It is just on a sweatshirt. So because of that, it is not a one-liner because it's not being spoken. And it is it is not a quote because it's not being spoken. Um, I could see why some might try to argue like saying, but yeah, it's in there still. But that that's a quote that's on a shirt that's never actually spoken Um, and so that's why that one did not, uh, was not able to get onto the stage. Orange says, I nominate Grace Randolph, but I can't tag her. She blocked me after my video on her. Oh boy. Oh boy. Abomination says, that can't be Grace. That's a humanoid hyena alien wearing a rubber suit in a blanket of makeup to look like Grace six two six says, "Wow, no Amber Heard." Yeah, I was surprised. I, you know, Amber Heard definitely had some nominations throughout the categories, but uh, but yeah, Flash gonna win Best Visual Effects. <laughs> Master of Gaming, I voted for Operation Fortune for Best Quote One Liner. Yeah, it was a good one, dude. That that was one of the ones that I liked more than some of the others. Harwick, I've now seen multiple videos from VFX artists exposing studios pretending CGI heavy movies are mostly practical. They're uh, they're fed up with it, and Top Gun Maverick was the last straw for many. Yeah, I know that you've been sharing that stuff, but Ictulu, oh what the F? Where's Equalizer three? I'm flipping tables as we speak. Which category was that for? again I, I can only I can only show you what the numbers show. I can only show you what the numbers show. Steven, how can I accept the gift memberships on YouTube app? I don't know. I am no. I am not uh, tech support. <laughs> I can't. I can't help you with that. Ikulu. Um, okay. Here's. I guess he posted it again. I am flipping tables as so we speak. This was cinematography perfection. Uh, again, was not enough support behind it. I think that equalizer again got a lot of attention when it comes to the action sequences and things like that. But when it came to cinematography, just not as much. Kimberly uh, Kimberly G, uh, SJW screenwriter, I say three-way time, Marvel, Indy 5, and Barbie. There can only be one, technically more than one, if they had more than one writer, but you know what I mean. However, did you know that Jez and John Henry Butterworth, who worked on the script for Anna Jones, also wrote Edge of Tomorrow along with Christopher McQuarrie? You wouldn't have been able to see that from anything in the script. I think that's also probably why the fact that they worked with other writers indicates that they probably did not have a massive role to play. And if they did, then it means that they are a one hit wonder. So, Michael Burgett, I saw Aaron the Theaters and it was really good. It has a tremendous cast and thought Affleck did a good job directing it. Okay. Very nice. Harvard says, No one is always pretentious. The Dark Knight is a bunch of interesting ideas thrown at the wall to see what sticks without significant exploration of any of them. I would disagree to the point that. Yes, you could maybe argue he's always been an artist, but there's a difference between being an artist or an auteur and then just being downright pretentious. And I, I would say that he was not being that for the majority of that film. Fedegator, what's going on, brother? Welcome back. Glad to have you here. Uh, get to a couple more and then we'll jump back into more nominations. All right, so as much of what made Extraction 2 work for me was the suspense over whether the boy would make the right choice or uh, fail to like the boy the first movie did his soul was at stake uh, so to speak yeah but the boy also just wasn't as compelling of, of an actor you also just did not feel the same uh, the, the same tension so again it still failed ultimately at, at being able to present that right so that relationship of the first film still was not captured in any way um, compared to it Master of Gaming Jim Caviezel was born in September 26 Rachel Zegler was born in 2001 and that's why I voted for Jim what that doesn't make any sense Morak says, As someone who nominated Venture Brothers, glad to see it, made it. Yeah, dude. Uh, it's. I love when the obscure ones like that are able to also get through. Fetigar says, I really enjoyed Jamie Foxx's portrayal of lawyer Willie Gary in The Burial. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Let's go ahead now and move back into our nominations and we'll try and get through all of the rest of our nominations tonight as I do have a bit of a, not a curfew per se, but I do want to try to get off at a reasonable hour as I'm, I'm tired. I am tired. So... Next category is worst writing slash story in film. So this is for all the bad movies, but specifically when it came to these movies, it was their story that ultimately failed and ultimately fell apart at the very end. So the nominees for the worst writing and story in film for the year 2023 are Rebel Moon Part 1, The Marvels, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Barbie and The Flash. This was a very, very close one. The Flash just barely got in. Uh, It ultimately was a choice between this and one other movie. I believe the film actually was Wish. Um, However, I think that ultimately you look to this movie and you can definitely uh, say that as bad as the story is for, for Wish, and it is indeed bad, not nearly as bad as what we found in The Flash. Also happy to see Rebel Moon on here. Also happy to see Barbie on here as well. And uh, yeah, let's just say that it is going to be a very, very interesting process as we continue to go down the line of the best and the worst. In this case, some of the worst of the worst. All right. So worst writing story of 2023. Rebel Moon, Marvel's Indiana Jones, Barbie, and The Flash. All right, the next category is the most iconic film of the year. That's right, the most iconic film. And the thing I like about this is it's not just about the films that you really love in a given year. It's not just about the films that you think are um, are just, you know, awesome and badass. No, these are what are the films that you think are going to be standing the test of time, that you're going to be talking about years from now, that you think are going to continue to be in the public consciousness. Now, what I really enjoy about this is it shows you, right? Just as we had the the worst stories, sometimes, guess what? You can get crossover even between a positive and a negative category. So the nominees for the most iconic film of 2023 are Oppenheimer, John Wick, Chapter Four: The Sound of Freedom. Godzilla, minus one. And Barbie. That's right. Barbenheimer has been preserved for the most iconic film of the year. This was not a uh, a close call. This was something where all the films uh, were able to uh, pretty much easily um, garner the enough enough attention and enough support. To, to be able to, to get on here. And, uh, yeah, just goes to show you, even though Barbie is obviously, in my opinion, one of the worst films of the year, I know a lot of y'all feel the same way, even I, as down and as negative on Barbie as I am, guess what? It is going to be a film that is remembered for a long time, for nothing else other than the cultural impact that it had. So, I think that this also shows you that the people voting in these things are, I would say, uh, a pretty... Uh, fair lot as it were so congratulations to the films we have deemed to be the most iconic of which there can only be one of which there can only be one but these are our nominees all right the next nominations are going to be for the most pointless characters in a film so we like to also dive down deep into the the actual characters written by some of the worst writers but there's some characters that I think just are are that's that much worse than anyone else especially in the age of the superhero film. Right? There, there are certain characters that just break your heart. Right, It's not just the actress that plays them or the actor that plays them. It's the writing. It's everything about it. It's everything about the character is just pointless. Is just pointless. And so the nominees, and we've got some, some doubles in here, as, as typically happens, especially when you have really bad movies that come out in a given year. So nominees for the most pointless characters in film are Helena Shaw, who is played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge in Indy 5. So, Helena or Helena Shaw. (laughs) Oh, gosh. What a pointless character. Sad to say, Indiana Jones, played by Harrison Ford in Indy 5. Unfortunately, it must be said, his character is pretty much pointless in the movie. Captain Marvel, played by Brie Larson in The Marvels. (laughs) Very definition of worthless. Monica Rambeau, Played by Tiana Paris in The Marvels. And lastly, and I'm sure a lot of y'all are happy to see it at the very least, she's got some nomination here. The character of Mira, played by Amber Heard in Aquaman 2. So these have been deemed to be the most pointless characters. The most pointless characters ever. At least in 2023 in the films. And I am, uh, I, I stand by this list. I think it is completely accurate to specify these people as just, again, Harrison Ford was once a, a great actor and unfortunately has made a lot of bad career decisions. And I think ultimately has, has gone down a, uh, has gone down the wrong path in, in many ways, in, in many respects. Disney clearly dominated this category also. All right, one that I'm sure some of y'all have actually been looking forward to because this had, uh, let's just say, this had a lot of controversy last year. Controversy simply meaning that there were a lot of people talking about, excited about the fact that there were going to be the possibility that Jeremy from Geese and Gamers could have been nominated and eventually indeed won Shill of the Year. So is it his chance? That was a little bit of a, a little precursor there. But is it the chance for Jeremy? To be able to come back out on top again. Well, let's first find out who are our nominees for this year. So, the first nominee, as you all saw, is Rachel Zegler. So, nominated not only for NPC of the Year, but for Shill of the Year. Glad to see her get that that, that double whammy uh, nomination. Next, we have Grace Randolph. We have some fun facts, by the way. Some fun historical facts also about this category in relation to some of them. So, Shill of the Year, we have, again... Grace Randolph, Taylor Swift, nominated this year. Jeremy from Geeks and Gamers once again has been nominated. Will he be able to capture his crown once again? But there is a strong contender. There's a strong person right behind him, right on his heels, wearing actual heels, and that is Mr. John Campia, the perennial nominee. Nominated every single year that the awards have been going on and has never actually won the award. As I said, we would have some pretty fun information here for this category and we will go into it. So first off, John Campia is indeed a six-time, six-time nominee for Show of the Year, has never won. Grace Randolph is a four-time, four-time nominee, has never won In this category either. Jeremy now of course a two-time nominee. This will be uh, again. His second year in a row being nominated. Last year in his first time ever nominated. He won the award. And uh, I will say that there are some people missing this year. So for instance. uh, Scotty Boy Mendelssohn, Ever since he decided to go off. And do whatever it is that he's doing. He is now a a four-time nominee. And winner back in 2018. Not nominated. This time around, Kevin Smith was a three-time nominee, not a winner this time around either. So, yeah, fun, fun facts there. But will John Campia, will this be the year that John Campia is finally able to be the shill of the year? That is going to be a very interesting battle to fight. Also appreciate Taylor Swift being nominated here because let's be honest, I, I I really honestly feel like there are moments where you, you're watching the football, you watch the Kansas City Chiefs and all this other stuff, and you're like, is this relationship even like real and authentic? Or is this being done simply for the publicity? Is it is it rather a publicity stunt? This is not outside the realm of possibility, but man oh man. Man oh man. Interesting, interesting. Now there were some other people that were on this list that that had the potential to make it on there. However, this was ultimately where, uh, this was a committee vote as well, and this is currently where these uh, numbers stand. All right, now we go on to our next category, which is the most critically acclaimed piece of garbage film of the year. Some people hate this title as well, but I don't care, because it's fun. So these are films that are not only bad, right, not only are they bad, but they've been highly praised in some way. So, critically high. Critically, highly praised. But in reality, if we really step back, we recognize the films are objectively awful. So, the nominees for the most critically acclaimed piece of garbage film of the year are... The Marvels. Barbie. Poor Things. The Super Mario Brothers movie. And Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Now... As I said, 53 people put forth nominations. Sometimes there are films that make a lot of sense. Sometimes there's films that maybe don't make as much sense. For me, I'm actually uh, supportive of almost every single film on this list, uh, with the exception, actually, of probably Indiana Jones, because I don't really think it was critically acclaimed. But maybe early on, we could say uh, it got more support than what it, it did. But uh, anyway... Glad to see poor things on here. Poor things, obviously, getting a lot of attention. The whole premise of the film is disturbing, to say the least. Uh, disgusting, to say it more accurately. And I'm actually one where I'm happy to see Super Mario Bros. movie on here because I was not a huge fan of it, and I think it was over overhyped. Now, in this case, the critics were not the ones that overhyped it, though. In this case, it was the audience, in my opinion, that overhyped it. But hey, I actually had no real role to play in this process. I, I I myself did not nominate Mario Brothers. It happened to have gotten enough uh, votes on its own. But anyway, those are the nominees. All right. Uh, now we're getting into a combination of, nomina- a combination of nominations for different categories. So first we have the overrated and then the underrated. So most overrated films of the year. So this is something that extends out a bit more to not just critics, but also even general audiences as well. Starting off first with the Marvels. Obviously, overrated there by critics. Across the Spider-Verse, vastly overrated by critics. John Wick Chapter 4. We do see movies like this sometimes get brought in. Oppenheimer and Barbie. Probably my favorite mixture, actually, of movies this year to to be uh, in a category because each of them deals with something different, right? There were a lot of people that were not as big fans of John Wick Chapter 4. The Salty Nerds, for instance, of the Salty Nerd podcast, thought the film was overrated. They didn't think the film was bad, but they thought the film was overrated. So that's exactly what this film is meant for, right? Barbie, of course, as we all know, is vastly overrated. Oppenheimer, it's a B-movie. Overrated both by critics and by fans. Across the Spider-Verse, overrated by critics and some fans. Uh, The Marvels is the only one that kind of sticks out a bit, but it did get a little bit more praise, probably, than what it should have gotten. So these were the most overrated films that came out this year. All right, now we get to one that I I like a little bit more as far as the the nomination class, but we get to the most underrated films of 2023. So the nominations are Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. That will make some people happy, I think. Gran Turismo, Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, The Creator, and The Iron Claw. I love this because it's true. These are films that really were underrated. Um, People did not give Dungeons & Dragons a chance. Didn't give Gran Turismo a chance or Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. Even many more did not give the creator a chance either. And so even though some of them may have gotten some, uh, you know, some general acclaim, right? May have gotten some some general recognition from some critics or some award shows. Ultimately, this is to me a a, a very strong category. I, I know how I personally would vote, but I think we'll probably have a lot of splits in in this way. Right. A lot of splits in this way. So, uh, again, Dungeons and Dragons, Gran, Gran-, Gran Turismo, Guy Gyrus's Covenant, The Creator, Iron Claw. Most underrated films come out in 2023. All right, now we get to other categories that that trigger people. So first, the best pointless remake, slash reboot, slash sequel, slash prequel. So all of these things, right, we recognize as not being needed, as not being necessary. No one is actually asking for them. But there's sometimes the case where there are films that are being, based off of previous material, are being either rebooted in some way, or remade, or they're giving us a prequel, or giving us a sequel, right? They're all coming from the same lens, you know, from one way or the other. Some of them do it well. So these are the best of those. So the nominees here for the best of these remakes... Slash reboots, etc. are... Godzilla Minus One. Again, clearly there a reboot. John Wick Chapter 4. Again, a sequel. Mission Impossible 7 Dead Reckoning Part 1. A sequel. Wonka. A prequel. Slash reimagining. And The Equalizer 3. As a sequel. So these indeed, I think, are a strong collection... Um, I think all of them bring a lot to the table. I think all of them do a lot. Wonka especially, I think, is a lot better than what many people might uh, indicate. And I am very happy to see this. It's also one of the times that I I think that people kind of got it this year. In previous years, some people have gotten a bit more confused on this. Happy to see that that's not really uh, the case in this situation. So, uh, yeah, these are indeed the best of the pointless films as far as how they are made. Just as there are many, though, that are prequel, sequels, reboots, etc., that are good, there's also many that are not so good, many that are, are, are bad, in fact. And so, the nominees for the worst remake, reboot, sequel, prequel, of 2023 are The Expendables, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, Mania, Mania, The Little Mermaid, and The Marvels. Congratulations to the worst of the worst. Surprised that Little Mermaid has not gotten nearly as much hate uh, in, this, in this year's awards, but glad to see it listed here because no one was asking for it. No one wanted it, and the film ended up being a box office bust. Um, Expendables is also one tier. I think a lot of people can look to that film and say, yeah, yeah, not really uh, not really something that I think is worth uh, really spending the time for. And yes, indeed, we are going to continue to call it the Expendables Because that is how they were promoting it, and that is how it will therefore be. All right, category I also love is Best Low Budget Movie. So, instead of just focusing on the best of the best, let's now try to use our brains a bit and say, okay, let's talk about the films that somehow were amazing and they didn't need crazy budgets to actually do it. So, what are those movies that cost about $30 million or less that were somehow able to be fantastic films? We've had a lot of really cool winners and nominations in the past here, and I think that we continue that tradition even still today and even still this year. So, the best low budget films of the year are Godzilla Minus One, which cost only $15 million, The Iron Claw, which also only cost $15 million, Sisu, which cost only $6.5 million. The sound of freedom, costing only fourteen point five in its initial production budget, and talk to me for four point five million. Also, a category I'm happy to see. I, I like when other films that maybe I'm not the biggest fan of or have a little interest in. Get some attention. I know a lot of people like Sisu. So glad to see that film get a nomination here. Best low-budget film is typically where some of those movies can can start to creep in. And then Talk To Me. I heard a lot of people who are horror fans and are very much fans of how they move from social media into being filmmakers. Um, how they were able to do that. So happy to see that they uh, were able to get in this way. So again, congratulations to the best low-budget films. And also thank you for showing Hollywood... Guess what? You can do it, Hollywood. You can make great movies. You can make really, 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 really good movies, in fact, by not spending a whole lot of money, all right? I think that's so incredibly important for us to to really shine and to showcase here. Some of the best films even of the year in the case of films like Iron Claw, Godzilla Minus One, you don't need to spend an arm and a leg to get there. All right, we've talked already before about the worst stories in films. Let's talk about some of the best stories in film. The nominees are Godzilla, minus one. Actually a very good story, which is something the MonsterVerse films cannot say. Gran Turismo, fun story. The Iron Claw, phenomenal story. Sound of Freedom, powerful, disturbing, but important story. And Nefarious, another nomination for Nefarious. So Sean Patrick Flannery gets nominated for, for Breakout Performance. So happy to see Him get that nomination. Happy also now to see the film Nefarious get Best Story in Films nomination as well. It is, I think, a very important story. Uh, I don't think it's perfect by any means. This is an interesting one. I did not expect this to get the the two nominations or so that it needed to to be in contention. But I, I think that because of the way in which it's able to really show the connections between the demonic and what we see happening right now in the culture war, is so very powerful. So glad to see Nefarious in here. Glad to see Gran Turismo in here. And I think all the films absolutely are, are worthy of being mentioned as some of the best stories in film this year. There's some better ones, I think, but I think that these are still pretty darn good. All right, now getting into our top categories, everybody. So first we have the Lifetime Achievement Award. So this is something where we try to recognize the most overlooked people, the people that have not been winning a ton of Oscars, have not been winning a ton of, of, of a claim, right this is outside of fandom so some of these people might have had uh, you know huge fan bases might have been very popular amongst different people but in general they seem to be kind of ignored they, they seem to be kind of just just overlooked for, for different reasons and so the nominees for the lifetime achievement award this year are Paul Giamatti Nick Cage Zac Efron Jim Caviezel and J.K. Simmons. Congratulations to those who made it in. This was also another one of those categories where there were a couple spots and the committee had to, to, to come in and vote. But ultimately, we, we did have uh, enough of a agreement of the people that got in at the very end here. But I, I thought this was also a great list. These are all great people. These are all great actors. Some of them have gotten more success than others. Um, glad to see Zach guy from getting a lot more attention in The Ravens. I think that he is someone that absolutely deserves it. I think that he has just done so much in his life and in his career since starting off with High School Musical. And I think it's worthy of of commending him for for being able to do uh, such things. So again, shout out to all the nominees here. And I did also want to say that there is also a fun little fact here. Nicolas Cage has been nominated now three times. So this is now his third nomination. He has not yet won this award. Um, But there's, of course, some competition this year for these people. All right. Getting into the top two now. So... For the worst movie of the year, we have the Kathleen Kennedy, Ryan Johnson, and a new edition here. And Zack Snyder Award for Excellence in Crap World Building. Our very, very long name, meant to be so, for uh, the worst movie of the year. Love this category, love this name. So the nominees for worst movie of the year are as follows Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, Barbie. Indiana Jones and in the Dial of Destiny, Rebel Moon Part One, and the last nomination for Worst Film of the Year, The Marvels. Very interesting. As you can see, a lot of uh, Disney films, this is a consistent theme. In this category, Disney has dominated this category in the past, even winning it several times as well. But also having Barbie and Rebel Moon in here, ultimately, when it comes to world building, we not only just mean the visuals, because I think many of us could defend things like the visuals of Barbie, but when it comes to what is the world and what is being said in that world, what is being represented by that world, a lot of garbage stuff in there, and I think all the films very clearly are worthy of being seen as some of the worst films of The year, hands down, happy to see it. All right, here comes the big one. All right, we got now the best movie of the year, this is the most important category, and it's the one that I like to try to, to make as big as I possibly can. So to those that are still watching right now, the 52 people watching, thank you very much. Once we get through this category, by the way, I'll try and get through as many comments as I can. But I do need to start getting ready for bed. I need some ice cream because we've been going a little bit long. But without any further ado, what are the best movies of 2023? Here are the 10 Nominees. Screw the whole Oscars. Oh, we're going to have seven to ten, depending on this. No, we were able to get ten. And the committee, big part of helping me get those last ones in there. So, the best movies of the year nominees are Oppenheimer, Godzilla Minus One, Killers of the Flower Moon, Gran Turismo, The Sound of Freedom. The Iron Claw, John Wick, Chapter 4, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1, The Holdovers, and the 10th film, Tetris. Congratulations to all the films nominated for Best Films of the Year. I look at this list and think, I really do think that most of these films are very much worthy of of their position. You know, I have my issues with Oppenheimer. I would not have that on my list personally. And there's a couple others that I would probably give some precedence to. Um, But Holdovers and Tetris, I'm so happy to see here. This is a film that no one was really able to see. And it's one that I think people should see. Um, If I'm going to have, and I do plan on having them in the future... A, uh, you know screenings of movies those are probably going to be the two Iron Claw as well right any of those smaller films that no one had a chance to see uh, I'm gonna try to, to try to really focus on because I hope that as you are you know uh, as you are starting to vote, if you feel like you already know how you want to vote all right if you already feel like you've got everything figured out, you know exactly what it is that you want to do I invite you to to start that process of, of getting your votes out there. And so, if you want to go ahead and do so, I have now posted a link. So, the link is now posted. Uh, that is the link to the uh, to the forms. And that is what's going to allow you to be able to, uh, to uh, again, be able to get your votes cast. So, yes, those votes are indeed now open. It is now uh, available to receive. And actually, I say that, and yet, um, I do need to make sure that... I actually do have that set. Yes, it is exactly responsive. So, yes, if you are ready to start voting, you absolutely can start doing so using that link. I, of course, will post that link over on my website as well as a full list of the nominations as well. But these are the ones that got the most nominations. These are the ones that got the most love. And, uh, yeah. Good year, I think. I think this is a very strong year at the Ravens. A very strong uh, grouping of nominees for both the best and the worst categories. And uh, let me go ahead and say just a very, very quick goodbye, but also going through as many as I can. Gary Banjo Sandwich Worthy says, Ready for the Ravens. There it is. I'm going to be skipping some of the longer comments, especially the little mini speeches. Gary Banjo Sandwich Worthy says, My first ever membership. Boom. Then says, No room for Barbie in my house. I don't blame you for that at all. All right, let's see. Orange Chat says, why was Jeremy nominated? What was he shilling for? He was shilling hard for the Super Mario Brothers movie, uh, amongst other things. But that was the one that got the most attention. That was the one that got the most attention. I mean, uh, what was he shilling for this year? He was already shilling for Mario last year. But he was still shilling for Mario this year. So, (laughs) like like big time. Um, There was another one, too. Oppenheimer, I think, was the other one he was shilling for. Because he's always a a, a Nolan shill. See King and Rumsky. Taylor Swift, Kelsey remind me of how someone Cena called the NFL the new WWE. It's uh, I think it's definitely true in a lot of ways. Hardwick says I was one of the mo- I was one of those that nominated John Wick Chapter Four for most overrated film. Of course you were Hardwick. Of course you were Hardwick. Um, why why would why would it be anything else? Anyone else but you? Orange chat. I recently watched Bones, a show in which the director of D and D played in most of the show. I guess I'll so check it out. Interesting. Uh, as for D&D, people didn't want to support it because they didn't want to support Hasbro. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you're right. Uh, Orange, I hope you had a good night. Again, only going to get through a few more of these comments because I do just have to go, and some people just write way too much and way too many. Uh, how close did my nomination for Neil McDonough coming to making it on the list? Mm, it didn't, unfortunately. Uh, you were the only nomination for him. So... Your Irish Richard, nerd, thank you very much for that super sticker, man. That uh means a lot. And no Meg representation of the Ravens from Kink and Rumsky. No, uh he did not. The Meg did not really get any <laughs> really did not get any uh attention uh, whatsoever, except for maybe you. But yeah, Meg wasn't getting any attention. And then the other one that someone was 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 talking about, like Thulu, was was really uh harping on on Cocaine Bear. No real nominations for a cocaine bear either, so uh, let me just say I'm happy for that. I would have put it in the worst categories, but and anyway, Mathulu says Tetris was great until the third act, and that stupid Hollywood ending completely undercut all the uh, all the tension with three Stooges antics. I I strongly disagree. I, I think that it still works. The film it's not a perfect movie, but I definitely think it still works none the less. Uh, Last words of the meter. A lot of people didn't see that one, Rob D, and the people that have, I heard a lot of bad things about it. So I I think that that film is not one of the ones that I'm surprised by not getting any real attention. Anyway, so I do need to head out, though, because I need ice cream and want to be able to say goodnight to, to, to my wife before she goes to bed. So thank you all very much. This has been amazing. You all know I love the Ravens. I love being able to do these every year. So thank you all so very much again for always supporting. And if you again want to start to put your nominations or sorry, now you want to start to vote. If you want to put your vote out there. Um, to uh, choose the best and the worst in the uh, movies to come out this year, you can go ahead and click on that link that has been posted. Fill out that form when you can. And uh, as I said, be on the lookout for post about trying to get some screenings done of some of these lesser-known films that are available, films like Holdovers and Tetris. Can't wait for Ironclaw to come out on digital, so that way we get access to that film to be able to do a watch party for as well. And uh, very exciting times. Love, 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 love the Ravens. And I'm very, very excited to be able to do this for the sixth year now in a row. Anyway, you guys are all amazing and beautiful people. If you have been watching any of the politics stuff, hope everything has turned out the way that you wanted it to. And if not, hey, just always know this is but a fleeting place. Only that which is above lasts forever. This is not your home. This is but the ship to guide you to the home. Do not be the one that falls off. Into the ocean. Anyway, you guys are great. Have a wonderful rest of your evening, everybody. And as always, God bless.